Magic Johnson has submitted a bid for the Washington Commanders, the NFL is looking at multiple Thursday night football games. Players can wear the number zero in the NFL. The Falcons announced their starting quarterback. There's a shakeup with Alabama's basketball roster. The Sacramento Kings are going to the playoffs. And is it smart for teams to rest their stars if they are on their way to the playoffs? It's opening day, and we've got a lot to focus on this Friday episode of Jake's Take. Let's go. What is going on, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to Jake's Take. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Silverman, at Jake's Take Podcast, at Jake Silverman14. Joining me later on is my co-host, Christy. You can find her on Instagram and TikTok at Marie underscore double zero. And as always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network at Variety underscore sport underscore. You're home for all different sports and different varieties and different forms. Happy opening day, everyone. At the time of this recording, it is opening day. I know we don't talk about baseball too, too much, but still, you know, it's very important that we acknowledge it. But at this time, you know, get excited. You know, the Braves are now... 1-0. and oh. Now, sadly, it is against my favorite team, but still, it's, you know, very important that we highlight that. But moving on, the first and foremost thing that we have to discuss is that Magic Johnson has submitted a bid for the Washington Commanders. Basically, in the past few months, Dan Snyder has been all over the place, and he and his wife have decided that it's in the best interest to listen to offers and sell the team. Now, right now, he's gotten two bids for $6 billion dollars. One of them is a part of the Josh Harris Mitchell Rails group, which is where Magic Johnson is a part of that. The other one is Steve Apostolopoulos, who's the other bidder. Now, the Josh Harris Mitchell Rails group already owns the 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. So it doesn't really, you know, surprise me that they would want to have another team, especially because those two owners, I think, are from the Bethesda area or or one of them is from Maryland. So I like that idea. Now, really with this, it's going to come down to what Dan Snyder is going to choose because there are other bidders coming in. You know, people have submitted bids, I think, for around that too. So it's going to come down to what he thinks. And then also, you have to have three-fourths of the owners decide if they are okay with the sale. So you have to make sure that they're at the meeting and you have to make sure that they're okay with it. Now, based on what Jim Ursay and Jerry Jones have said, I feel like, you know, it's going to be pretty simple for some coaches to be on board. I mean, I could see that a few would be in the case. There are definitely some that I could probably see them say, no, you know, we're not really in the mood for this. But I think with this, you know, I think Dan Snyder is definitely making the right choice because, as as it sounds, the commanders are a struggle. I mean, Christie has said it many times, too, that they should just burn down the stadium and rebuild, and maybe this is their opportunity. We also talked about how it's very common for NFL players or former players of different leagues to go into ownership. You know, we talked about it with Tom Brady. We talked about it with Dwayne Wade. This is another example. You know, Larry Bird owns... Stake too. So I think it's really important that we kind of highlight this too. But I like the idea, you know, that Magic Johnson is a big part of this because he was a big part of the NBA. And I'm glad that he's still, you know, very involved too, because, you know, he's done a lot, whether it's with the NBA, outside the NBA, whether it's with HIV or humanitarian work. He's just, from what I've heard, a very stand up guy. And I love that he wants to be a part of owning a team because he could be a big part of changing the culture for the Washington Commanders. Now, another change in regards to the NFL is the potential or the possibility 
of multiple Thursday night football games. Now, the NFL owners have approved a rule that are allowing teams to play two Thursday games on short weeks. Basically, with short weeks, that means that if a team used to play on Sunday, they couldn't play on Thursday. Now, that's not the case. This is actually what's happening here. And it's definitely a little weird because really with this, you know, a lot of players don't like this. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is not like this. There's also a possibility of flexing the game. So deciding, you know, which teams are going to play, because that was a big thing last year. You know, we had a lot of bad Thursday night games. And with this, you know, numbers are struggling. I mean, they just got bought by Amazon and this was not a really good first year with this. So I think with this, I don't know how to feel about this, especially when we're looking at player safety, especially after, you know, so many eyes are going to be on the NFL in this upcoming season after we've seen, you know, concussions rise or DeMar Hamlin collapsing on the field. I know that I don't want to entirely just focus on that, but still, you know, safety is going to be very important as we see the rise in concussions too. Now, once again, you know, we always talked about how there's going to be a possibility of flexing the games. I don't like this. You know, I like the idea of Thursday night football, but just make them better games. You know, if it's a team where they have this opportunity, you know, just look at the schedule ahead of time and say, oh, well, yeah, that could be fun or that could be a good one. Don't just say, oh, well, let's see. It's going to be this team and they struggle. So let's put them against another team that struggles. Like, you know, a few years ago, if you had said, oh, yeah, it's going to be the Jets and the Raiders, and I'm talking, you know, 2014 when both teams struggled, not many people would watch that. Now, if we have a way to say, okay, well, you know, we're going to have, let's say, um, the Chiefs, or we're going to have a team against them like the 49ers oh yeah people will watch that so kind of just make sure that the schedule is more interesting there but right now it's looking like they are going to vote onto this because I mean it was tabled and I think with this you know I think we need to just think about this more in this regard because really with this you know we like the idea of NFL Red Zone and once we get to NFL Red Zone 2, it makes things a lot better because we have all those games to watch. Now, how will that be affected if we have one less game to watch on on Sunday and instead we're watching it on Thursday Night Football? Now, I know we've been talking a lot about the NFL and I know people are going to be saying, but Jacob, you know, it's March, it's the NBA, you know, why are we talking about them? We'll, we'll get to them more later. But really with this, it's important that we also highlight that in the NFL, you can now wear the number zero. Yeah, I know. That's what my thought process is too. Now, a few years ago, this became available in college football and people got excited. Now it's making its way to the NFL. And I actually like the idea. You know, I like this idea of players getting to wear the number zero because, you know, it's a way where people can make their own legacy. You know, think about how... In the NBA, you have Damian Lillard, who doesn't treat it as a zero. He treats it as an O to make sure he remembers where he came from, you know, in Oakland, Ogden, and now playing in Portland, Oregon. So I feel like with this, you know, maybe we could see something like that. But I like this idea. Now, Calvin Ridley, former Alabama wide receiver, Calvin Ridley has made it the clear that he's going to be the first one to actually wear 
the number zero. So he's going from 18 to zero. So that's going to be, you know, exciting to see. And I'm excited for this. You know, he's the first player who's stated that he's going to wear it. So I can't wait to see him rep it. I would also like to see what kind of, I guess, players going to wear. You know, is it going to be reserved for certain numbers? Is it going to be reserved for players on offense or defense or special teams? I mean, I can't really picture a long snapper wearing the number zero. That would be kind of weird. But, you know, think about it. You know, the numbers 1 through 19 are typically reserved for quarterbacks, but now it's being reserved for quarterbacks, maybe wide receivers, tight ends, not really offensive linemen like Tom Brady had that one time. But, I mean, could we see something like that too? I mean, I think seeing, you know, Jamar Chase wear the number zero would be cool or a quarterback wear the number zero a kicker, not so much, really. Maybe a punter would be cool. But, you know, think about players on defense, too. I would love to see, you know, Marshawn Lattimore wear the number zero or a single digit like that. So I like this idea. But also, more importantly, you know, we have to think about it in the significance of the NBA. You know, the NBA has a huge significance with zero or double zero. You know, we have different players. You know, Justin Tatum wears the number zero. We already mentioned Damian Lillard, and we've got other players too who wear the number zero. So maybe that's something that we might just kind of have to, you know, focus on or highlight or see what's going on there. I mean, Dante Giovincenzo wears the number zero. So kind of just think about things of that nature. You know, what could the number zero mean in a significant way for these players? We want to see people create their own legacies. I also know that people are going to be really mad if they have to buy a lot of number zero jerseys if they have their favorite player move to a number zero jersey. But still, I mean, this is great. You know, we're seeing it in college now. The NFL is adapting this lifestyle and people might be excited. I don't think Tom Brady is, but Tom Brady's retired, so he can deal with it. But I think this is, you know, important because we're letting players choose the legacy they want to carve with a new number. And it's Friday, so you know what that means. It's time for Christie's Corner. Pop a squad and listen in as Christy deep dives into a lot of new and exciting features and news. As always, the floor is yours, Christy. Welcome to another new episode of Christy's Corner. I don't think we have a lot of heard it here first takes this time. We're going to focus a lot on some quarterbacks in the pros and college. Um, We'll throw in a tight end. And of course, I have to throw in some Alabama stuff in there. But I'm going to start with Desmond Ritter. So we know that he is at Atlanta. He was the backup for Marcus Mariota for 13 games until after their bye week. He did become their starter. And he was pretty solid. He was 73 of 115 for 708 yards. He had two touchdowns and no interceptions. And that was all in four games. And I really like that no interception stat. Even some of the greatest have kind of a high rate of interceptions, especially with those four games under his belt. So the news with him is that the coach and the owner of the Falcons have kind of named him the starter without exactly saying those words. They said they really like the progress they're seeing in him. And I really like this for Atlanta, and I commend them for this. I think they're showing faith and confidence in a quarterback who has stayed and, you know, kind of did his time on the bench behind somebody else. And they're willing to give him a shot. 
Now, we know Atlanta did sign Taylor Heineke, so people were kind of wondering if we would see him start because I would say he was pretty successful with the Commanders with what we saw. Um, And I think we're going to see him as the backup. And I think that's okay for him. I think that's a solid backup, and I think that's important to have a solid backup. We've seen instances where you need that. I mean, look at the 49ers. Oh, I say good on you, Atlanta. I think this is a smart move, and I'm excited to see what Desmond Ritter can do. Now, I said we were going to throw in a tight end in there, and of course, he is a former Alabama player, and I'm speaking of Irv Smith Jr., so he's a tight end, and he just signed a one-year deal with the Bengals. Irv is coming from the Vikings. He played with them for, I'm going to say he played for three seasons. He was with them for four, um, but he's coming off of a torn meniscus injury. So he's going to replace Hayden Hurst, who went to the Panthers. I'm really excited to see what Irv Smith can do. I think he's going to be one of their star players on the offense. And I think the Bengals, I want to say they struggled last season. I know that they did make it pretty far and kind of unexpectedly. So I think having some solid players that you can rely on each game is really not only going to help obviously their numbers and their scores but I think it's going to help the culture at Cincinnati as well. Back to quarterbacks I feel like we cannot get this man's name out of our mouths and that's Lamar Jackson and it's kind of a no news is more news situation. I really don't have a landing spot for Lamar except for just staying at the Ravens. There was sort of one team that piddled around with the idea of taking him, and that was the Bucks. but they can't afford him. They've spent too much money, or they have money going to other players. So I've seen maybe going to the Colts, they can afford him. That would be just a back and forth of what kind of picks they would get from the Ravens to take him. So At this point, it's a business deal. I don't think anybody wants to pay him what he wants. So I think he's either going to be stuck or we might not see him in the NFL for a while. Almost like a Cam Newton kind of situation. Now, a quarterback who does have a landing spot is Aaron Rodgers. We know he's going to the Jets. It's sort of just when. It's just a matter of time. Um, The Packers and Jets are close to a deal and I think most analysts are thinking it's going to happen before the draft, which is next month. So they have the financial components settled. They're just kind of going back and forth on the picks. And the Packers want two high picks. The Jets, the talk is that the Jets will be sending the Packers an additional 2024 pick. So I don't know if they have their eye on somebody that's coming up or... They just want that high pick because who doesn't want to be one of the highest picks? Now, I know it's not even going to be the first round. There's talks that it'll be a high pick in the second round. So we'll see what comes out of that. But I do expect to see that deal finalized very soon. All right. So I promised you some Alabama news. And it's actually like involving the whole state of Alabama. So Hugh Freeze, he's the new coach that came from Liberty. And 
he just had a press conference that was sort of interesting, and I think he's going to learn a bit of a lesson in the state of Alabama. So he was quoted in saying he cannot wait for the Iron Bowl, and he cannot wait to beat the crap out of Nick Saban. And if anybody knows anything, it's that you don't say those words, especially on camera where they can be played over and over, where Nick Saban can watch it and where the Alabama football team can hear it and watch it and replay it and listen to it over and over again. I think those words are going to come back to bite him, especially as his first season at Auburn. And even he admitted he has some ramping up of his recruiting to do. He said he's no Nick Saban and he's no Kirby Smart. So I do commend him for being able to pick out his weaknesses and know what he needs to improve on. And my last point is about somebody who would probably tell you he has no weaknesses, and that is Anthony Richardson. He turned a weakness into a positive, I guess. So on his last day of the pro day, he hit the ceiling. And of course, he said he did it on purpose and he had to up Will Levis because Will Levis also hit the ceiling at pro day. Now, he also ran to the Florida Gators logo on the field and did a backflip. I'm not really sure what's happening with his pro day. I feel like he's trying to show off all of his athletic ability because that's all he has going for him. I mean, he looks like an athlete. He can make these plays in isolation, but like we've said before, he's proven that he can't apply them during a game and on a field and during pass rushing and when people are coming for him. If you look at his high school stats, his senior year, his team finished 2-8. and eight. If you are this generational quarterback with all this athletic ability, you're going to be able to help your team and at least maybe not go to the playoffs, but finish with a winning record. He has had meetings with the Panthers and the Raiders. I really don't think we're going to see him at the Panthers, and I don't think he's going to be the first pick. But we will see, and we will have more news for you next week. Bye. As always, thank you so much for that wonderful insight, Christy. It's always great to hear from you, especially in regards to the excitement we have about Irv Smith signing with the Bengals. I was a big Irv Smith fan when I was at Alabama. And really, I don't know why Hugh Freeze is making comments this early on. I mean, really with this, he doesn't have too, too much to show for it because he just got hired. So really with this, I think it's kind of important that, you know, Hugh Freeze, oh, I don't know, shuts his mouth because, you know, we saw this, what happened last time with Jimbo, and this can't just keep happening with these players. But anyway, moving on to our next point, the Alabama roster is shaking up. Now, Alabama basketball had a terrific season. You know, they had the most wins in basketball history, but now they have a roster shakeup. First and foremost, Brandon Miller has declared for the NBA draft. Every Alabama fan saw this coming. You know, we all knew he was going to be a one and done. And we're proud of him. You know, we're excited for all he's done. But we weren't really expecting all this change in regards to our current players or potential roster shakeups. So one of those was Namari Burnett, a great guard who is known for his three-point shooting and his defense had announced that he was entering the transfer portal. He's now transferring to Miami. He was close with coach Juwan Howard. And now with this, he is also, you know, from Chicago, which is pretty close to 
Michigan. So I think with this, you know, it's it's going to be a big blow because he was great with his three-point shooting and his defense, but he was also hurt too. You know, he tore his ACL last year, and then this year he had broken his wrist. He had surgery, but he wasn't really the same player. He averaged about, I think, nine points per game here. I'll have to look. But really with this, you know, when it comes to Namari Burnett, he was a good player off the bench for Alabama. And I think with this, you know, it is a big loss because he was going to be counted on, especially with, you know, Brandon Miller going to the NBA and then also being expected of what could happen with other players. All right, I was actually wrong. It was 5.6 points this season than the year before, five points. But still, you know, even though he didn't average that many points, his presence was still very big for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Next up, we also had a commit who was actually released from his letter of intent or national letter of intent. And it was Alabama signee R.J. Johnson, who was a three-star recruit. He had requested his letter of intent and he had planned to reopen his recruitment. So really with this, you know, the Alabama basketball team still has three recruits and they still have a transfer who's coming in, more on him later. But there is some question about this. You know, what led into this? Is there anything that could have happened? Does this mean that we have a player coming back? Does this mean that they're looking for players in the transfer portal? There are a lot of questions about this. So really anything could happen with here, but that's still something to kind of focus on. And then, of course, Jaquan Walton is going to be transferring to Alabama. So that kind of shakes up some more things, too. So kind of just be on the lookout because there's going to be a lot of news and movement with transfers, potential NBA draft entries. You know, right now, JQ, Javon Quinterly hasn't really said anything. Noah Connie hasn't said anything. Jaden Bradley hasn't said anything. Mark Sears hasn't said anything. So look to see what they do. I mean, they're also talking about going after transfers. There's one transfer from Tulane that they're looking at. So I think with this, you know, there's going to be a bit of a shakeup but also remember, Nate Oates is still trying to build his roster. And he also has to still find some new coaches too, especially after lo- losing Coach Hodgson and Coach Henry to head coaching jobs. So kind of just be on the lookout here. But I don't think the roster shakeup is going to finish anytime soon. But hopefully it's, you know, a little calmed down because this has been a pretty intense past few days for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And finally, our last two points, which we're going to combine because they're in regards to the NBA. We've got the focus on, first and foremost, the Sacramento Kings, who have made the playoffs. I know it's so crazy to think that because it took them 16 years. Yeah, the last time they made the playoffs was 2006. I'm not going to go through everything where what had happened since 2006, but to put this into perspective, I was 10 in 2006. Nick Saban was not coaching at Alabama yet. Tom Brady was not even past his, I don't want to say prime, but he had just led his team to a Super Bowl just a few years before. And also with this too, is that Alabama was not even good at football. So yeah, that's what happened the last time the Sacramento Kings had made it to the playoffs. Now with this, they have a lot of all-stars. You know, they traded for Sabonis they traded away Tyrese Halbert, and what a lot of people said was going to be a terrible idea, they did a great job doing that. You know, they paired him with Darren Fox. They get Malik Monk 
there too. And then they also bring in Mike Brown. Mike Brown had been a coach for a long time and he had some success. Now he's a potential coach of the year candidate. But fans are excited. They have this thing where they shoot the beam into the sky when they win and they call it light the beam, which I think is pretty cool. It's, you know, a purple laser that just shoots into the sky afterwards. And it even is showing up on Google. And here's the thing though, too, is that the fans are excited, but also think about this. They're a team in California where they are used to seeing the Lakers win, the Clippers win, and now they get a shot, and even Golden State Warriors too. You know, those are three teams that have had great success in the playoffs and in the championship. Now they get a chance to create their own legacy. And, you know, this is also a team that had some struggles, especially with DeMarcus Cousins and George Carl, and they just couldn't get it together. They were looked at as really just the class clown or the class act. But now with this, they're making an opportunity to give themselves a chance. And I'm rooting for them. I know that they're in the West, like the Pelicans, but still, this is so exciting for this team. You know, they're going to do something great, and I'm cheering them with them. I mean, I'm a big fan of DeMontis Sabonis, and, you know, a lot of people are a big fan of Malik Monk or De'Aaron Fox, and people are just excited about lighting the beam. They're big fans of Kevin Herter, too. So really with this, you know, this is what's exciting about the playoffs. You know, we're not seeing the same teams over and over again. We're seeing a new team. And I think people are going to be excited for this too because this is a young team that has a lot to prove. And that's what's really great about this. Now, in regards to this, should playoff teams rest their starters if they've already locked up a playoff spot? This is a toss-up. I feel like with this, it can really depend because some teams, you know, want to make sure that they're fully healthy. Other teams really are just kind of doing what they think is necessary. You know, Embiid rested a few nights ago. You've got different players who were not playing. You know, the Grizzlies basically didn't have any of their players play in the loss to the Clippers. So really with this, I mean, they're trying to be healthy, but it depends really. You know, a few years ago, the San Antonio Spurs rested their starters and they got in trouble with that. So would we do something like that again? Now you have to do it in regards to being very smart about it. You have to think things through. And then you also have to make sure that you're being kind of focused on things of this nature because at the end of the day, it really does depend on how everyone's going to play. And it comes down to, you know, the second unit too. Think about it. For example, with the New Orleans Pelicans, they've had to rely on some of their second unit, like Trey Murphy or Najee Marshall. With other teams too, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies have to do that sometimes with Tyus Jones or with the Clippers, you know, you have to have Terrence Mann. It's really important that around this time you're having everyone in good shape and well-rested, but also making sure that people and your players are prepared for anything that can happen. So this is why that it's kind of a toss-up, you know, if it's someone who has been having their struggles recently, I say, you know, let them have some time off. But if it's someone who you're just saying, oh yeah, let me rest them because, you know, I need them for the playoffs. Do you though? I mean... It also really depends. Just limit their minutes, but you don't have to fully rest them unless they really need to be rested. 
But that's going to do on this Friday episode of Jake's Take. As always, thank you so much for all the love and support. We could not have grown without y'all. We are slowly approaching our 100th episode. So we cannot wait to celebrate that with all of y'all. As always, you can find this on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music. We're basically on all podcast platforms. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, at Jake's Take Podcast, or my personal Instagram, Jake's 14 or my personal Twitter, at Slates by Jake. You can find Christy on Instagram and TikTok at Christy Marie underscore double zero. You, as always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network at Variety underscore sport underscore. We will be back on Tuesday with some more excitement and breaking down potential news in regards to the NFL, college football, and the NBA. So get excited for that. You know, we're approaching the playoffs. We're approaching a very tight race right now. So every game really counts, especially in the West. But as always, thank you so much for all the support. We couldn't have been growing without y'all. And at the end of the day, continue to be great. Be the best version of you you can be. Make other people smile. Be a light in this world. The world is still a very scary and uncertain place. And as always, we will see you here from y'all later. Take care.